It's a trap! Hello and welcome to Radio TCX, your weekly source for X-Wing news and strategy. I'm Tim Dugan and I'm joined by my two usual co-hosts, John McDermott. Hello, everybody. And Carson Ray. Hey, everybody. It's a great day to talk about X-Wing. We have had a very busy week here uh, sheltering in place. We've been playing a lot of Jackbox games. We've been looking at John's old status updates from 10 years ago on Facebook. So, Yikes. Uh, we, we found some time, though, to plan an X-Wing episode. So we've got some more X-Wing content for you this week. Yeah, and this week we will be continuing our Essential Ship Types series uh, covering battleships today. Yeah, so for the Essential Ship Type series, we've broken down all X-Wing ship chassis into seven major types. We've already talked about three of them, heavy fighters, light fighters, and utility ships. And we still have to cover interceptors, elite fighters, and ordnance. But today we're focusing in on the battleship, uh, which actually ties in a little bit into our conversation from last week when we were talking about firing arcs. Talked a lot about battleships then. Yeah, so I wasn't able to join for last week's episode, but uh, we decided we'd talk about battleships this week because... Uh, it has a lot of similarities with the last essential ship type that we talked about, um, and it has some overlap with the utility ships. Yeah, so uh, this ship type's really interesting. It does stand apart uh, in some pretty substantial ways from the other six ship types, so lots to talk about today, so let's get right into it. So before we dive into our faction breakdown for battleships, it's always good to start by kind of summarizing what exactly is a battleship in X-Wing. So to kind of start off and summarize what a battleship is, um, battleships generally have quite a commanding presence on the board, and they don't have the same fears that other cheaper ship types usually have in the middle of a game, and uh, the scum faction really loves them. Yeah, I think think one thing that I think sets battleships apart is when you see your opponent's list flying them, I think it does dramatically impact the way you have to approach the game just because they function so much differently from other ship types. Um, And weirdly, one of the reasons they actually function differently is because in a lot of ways, they're always in the place of two or three smaller ships. Battleships tend to cost quite a bit more. We see some base costs up there really like, you know, sometimes double or triple the cost of light fighters or heavy fighters. And the reason for that is, is they kind of share a lot of the functions of multiple lesser fighters all kind of tied into one. Right. I mean, so this is the ship type with the most hit points, um, which, you know, generally you have to pay some points for that. Uh, but that means they get to stay around a lot longer. And the reason we talk about uh, the cost of the ships, which is dramatically higher, um, even though that's not really so much a feature of a battleship as more of just a trait, a simple trait of them, is because it, it affects every other like actual game functional statistic on them because they do excel in most dimensions of the game because of that much higher cost there. Um, and you'll see, you know, these are ships that tend to have higher attack power because they need to be able to have good damage output because they cost so much. Right. I mean, the best way to characterize a battleship is it is multiple ships all packed into one big ship. You know, that's either going to be a large or medium-sized ship uh, with, you know, a bunch of hit points. But also, you know, it's going to have the action efficiency of multiple ships. And you get that through, you know, those pilot abilities. A lot of the battleship pilots have amazing action efficiency 
pilot abilities, but they also have the crew and gunner slots where they can get even more action efficiency and just kind of stack it all this value up onto one big ship. You know, the game of the X-Wing doesn't let you have, you know, nine attack dice for an attack, but um, their offense, you know, is generally better than any other one ship. But because, but because of the inherent limitations of the game, oftentimes uh, they still function just like other ships where they get the normal one action per turn. They don't always have a lot of really good linked actions. If they have linked actions, oftentimes it's just to rotate a mobile firing arc or things like that. So they really depend on other sources of getting action efficiency, uh, whether that is utility ships out there throwing them actions with coordinates or getting extra tokens from other card abilities. But, you know, through the crew and gunners, you can get things like force charges or just you know, unique abilities that give you re-rolls. Uh, there's a lot of dice modification packed into these battleships. And it's not necessarily, you know, built in with their ship type, but how they're actually used on the table. Uh, you definitely do see players finding ways to get these ships a lot of modifications. And you do see some trade-offs for that as well with the higher modification rate and higher offensive output. Um, battleships generally have mid to low agility, but they have higher hit points. So ultimately their survivability is pretty high compared to some other ships. Um, and that stat line is really based on being able to trade shots over the course of a game, um, which, you know, the battleship survivability is kind of directly based on the number of turns. So it doesn't degrade as quickly as having multiple cheap ships. Like for example, if you have three TIE fighters, as you lose TIE fighters, your damage output will go down way more significantly than, you know, if you're taking hits on one battleship. Yeah, so it's kind of interesting. So if we're if we were talking about any other ship type and we told you that they had mid to low agility but higher hit points, that would see be seen mainly as just a perk, right? Higher survivability. Well, for the battleship it's mostly a necessity because you are really playing against time there. They need to have higher survivability and have those higher hit point thresholds so that they can last long enough to, you know, pay off the amount of points you've invested in them and get a good return on investment for that. Right. I mean, you wouldn't sink so many points into, you know, a big chassis plus all the points um, of upgrades that you do often put on these battleships, you know, if they didn't have the survivability to back that up. You know, when you are investing in a battleship, you know it's going to be on the battlefield for, you know, at least a few turns of combat. Uh, these aren't ships that, you know, just get destroyed in one round unless things go really badly. <laughs> Well, and that's one of the nice perks of battleships, too, is that they assume they're going to take damage in a lot of cases just because they do tend to have the lower agility. If they get shot at, more often than not, they're going to take some hits, but they can survive that, and they're there to survive that. So as long as you're not overwhelmed and you actually uh, are able to reduce your opponent's damage output by removing their ships, that'll actually boost the survivability of your ship over time and give you more time to get some value out of your investment. Yeah, that's actually an interesting point. Um I think one of the main values that battleships get out of a higher initiative is actually just destroying ships before they can shoot back at them. Uh, not so much, you know, using that positional advantage you get from moving later. Yeah, and that's one of the, um, I think, interesting points about battleships, too, is that they don't all have a unified way they put damage out. Um, when you look at ships like the Decimator or the Millennium Falcon, they do that through mobile firing arcs. Other ships just have the set forward firing arc. So there's not really a uh, you know a constant identifier as to how they do the damage on the battlefield. What defines them are more these other characteristics, and sometimes they're a little bit broader. But we can summarize things all day. I think it's best to just look at some examples for each of the factions in the game 
And probably the best place to start doing that is Scum and Villainy, since they have uh, the most proportionally number of battleships in the faction. Yeah, it seems like every bounty hunter has to have their own unique version of the battleship. Uh, And there's plenty of awesome choices here with Scum. Of course, starting out, we have the Fire Spray. Uh, I think one of the flagship battleships uh, that we've seen throughout the course of the game. Uh, certainly very popular right now. Obviously, Boba Fett becomes you know one of the most popular pilots here. Um, and I think that pilot ability really speaks to you know what you're looking for in a battleship. You know, of course, it comes at a great cost. You know, a lot of points for Boba Fett, but you know, getting that modification on every possible attack on you as you know as long as you have somebody at range one um, you know keeps that ship on the table turn after turn you know just slowly losing those hit points and uh while the fire spray may be the only example on our list here i believe that is a medium base the rest are all going to be large base here it does embody so much of what a battleship is here uh middling agility with a higher hit point threshold you have that reinforce action too so even though you don't on your own get a lot of actions you have ways to mitigate damage from multiple shots because like we said battleships expect to take damage in the fight and if you look at a lot of the pilot abilities for this ship um, that currently exist a lot of them are combat focused so boba being able to get up in people's faces and re-roll dice um, just feels very battleshipy uh, looking more at what Scum has, they have, you know, their version of the Millennium Falcon. Of course, all the Falcons, great battleships. Uh, Scum's offering a bit more of a budget version of the Falcon here, you know, with that reduced offense and hit points. Uh, but that allows you to, you know, put that offense uh, in other places in your list as well, while still having a pretty survivable battleship. Yeah, this one's pretty interesting. I think not only is it the most recent battleship edition for the Scum faction, um, I think across this list, it's also one of the cheapest battleships kind of throughout the whole game. And there is a trade-off for that because, you know, you do have the generally lower damage output. Most of the ships we talk about here today are going to have usually a baseline of about three attack dice or a way to modify that and get more. Um, The Millennium Falcon, even with the mobile firing arc, just has a baseline of two attack dice. So you're going to need some ability to get more attack dice if you really wanted to have damage output. But it does have the perk of it could, you know, dock its own coordinating ship and bring that along in the form of the escape craft. Yeah, I think the Scum Falcon is probably the ship on this list that's going to rely most on its crew and gunner upgrades to be able to get the most out of its mobile firing arc with only two dice, um, giving it some efficiency in its actions and you know potentially trying to boost that damage output. Yeah, I think you know following the Falcon, I think I want to talk about the Jumpmaster 5000 next because that's another kind of more budget option for uh, these battleships. Uh, has it pretty decent offensive output uh, but uh, this one is kind of a little bit lacking on survivability that's kind of what you're losing um, for not paying as many points you know if we compare that to the houndstooth or shadow casters uh, both ships that have great offensive output and you know p- plenty of crew slots to boost that as well you know those ships can really pack a punch uh, but they do eat up a lot more of your list building points Shifting to a different kind of firing arc, though, for a battleship in the Scum faction, we have the Houndstooth, which uh, has that fairly rare 180-degree forward-facing firing arc. 
yeah, and when we're looking at battleships, you know, having multiple firing arc options or just wider firing arcs is great because you know you're taking it for that consistent offense you know to output turn after turn and you know so you want them you know to have targets in their firing arcs and the houndstooth does a great job of that yeah and the houndstooth is another good example of a ship that has i believe it has three crew slots and you see them utilizing that yeah um, to their fullest extent you know it's not the most maneuverable ship its dial's not great um, but it does have that stop maneuver which with the right combination of, you know, illicit upgrades and crew, such as Jabba the Hutt, um, it can kind of just park in place for a while and just continue taking shots out of that 180-degree firing arc. And that seems like a very scum and, uh, scum and villainy way to do a battleship, too, is it, it uses its commanding board presence to really mess up your opponent. Because I've, I've been in games against a Houndstooth where, man, when that thing can stop and stop multiple times... Uh, that gets pretty annoying because it might still be shooting at me and suddenly it's exactly where I need to go. And that's a, a large base can be hard to get around, you know, if there's asteroids around there too. Following the Houndstooth, we've also got the Lancer class Pursuit Craft, uh, more commonly referred to as the Shadow Caster. Yeah, and this one's kind of interesting because it's got, you know, that forward firing arc with three dice and then it's got the mobile firing arc with uh, two attack dice. So... You know, while it can cover a wide area, um, it definitely does still want to focus on getting ships in that forward firing arc. Uh, so this can be a little bit tougher to fly um, because, you know, you do want to make sure you're catching your opponents in that forward firing arc, which with a large base ship can be a little difficult. Uh, but when you do set it up right, the ship's incredibly powerful. One of the cool things about the Shadowcaster as well is that it's one of the only battleships that has a built-in control mechanic. I mean, of course, depending on the upgrades you take, but if you have the Ketsu Onyo pilot and the Lancer or the Shadowcaster title, um, it gives you the option to dish out tractor tokens to your opponents. Yeah, and this is, again, a good example of Scum putting their particular flavor on a battleship. So we've actually get some pretty good faction identity representation uh, of Scum inside of each of their battleship options. Nothing here feels too generic. They all do things in different ways. We've got the fire spray to be a little bit more aggressive. You've got the control mechanics you can get with the shadow caster. Um, you've got that really high survivability and just like interrupting your opponent's movements with the hound's tooth. Uh, the Scum faction, I mean, it, it is kind of the king of battleships here. You've got some really great battleships in other factions, but you get the best selection here in Scum and Villainy. It's also Scum and Villainy's only Force-sensitive battleship option as well. Which, I mean, the Force, always good, for sure. I know the Shadowcaster is a sentimental favorite of Carson's, too, because I think that was, like, the only thing you flew towards the end of First Edition was two Shadowcasters for, like, I don't know, a year and a half. Yeah, uh, I, well, at least there was one Shadowcaster, sometimes two for, yeah, the last year or two of First Edition. But yeah, it definitely changed, um with second edition but i think you were flying asajj the first time we ever played a game against each other uh seems very Who likely I'm, sh I'm sure it went really well in my favor it's fun to me that i know john knows who won that game and he's choosing not to say anything for the sake of peace <laughs> it's fine we're here to talk about things that matter <laughs> <laughs> oh, so John lost. Okay. Anyway. Wow. I'll let it go. Um, all right. So let's move on to the Rebels, another faction with um, some pretty great battleship options. Of course, this is where we are going to see, you know, the best version of that Millennium Falcon. You know, you got to pay the premium 
points for it, but uh, a very powerful battleship. Well, I mean, no, it's a great battleship. It's the most iconic battleship. It's, I mean, the most iconic ship in Star Wars. Uh, hard to argue that. And uh, it does a lot of things really well. It's got good damage output. It's got good maneuverability. It's got a pretty high hit point threshold of, what, 13? Yeah, that's pretty good. Um, and that combined with the dial means it's really survivable even for having just one agility built in. Yeah, I think this this iteration of the Millennium Falcon probably comes close to tying with the Fire Spray for the most maneuverable battleship. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, of course, you have that native red boost um, options, you know, to upgrade that with engine upgrade. Uh, but yeah, having that boost on the large base ship, incredibly powerful, allows you to get the ship where you need it to be, make sure you always have targets inside that bow tie firing arc. Um, allows you to just, you know, move around the outside of the board um, and just cover a huge area with that consistent output. Um, the thing when we talk about um, Rebel Battleships is they have, you know, some of the best crew options for just getting more action efficiency. Of course, their pilots here on the Falcon are amazing for that as well. You know, Han and Lando both providing excellent action efficiency. It's really hard to build a bad Falcon. Yeah, when you're running a Millennium Falcon, I feel like it's often going to be the centerpiece of your list, not just because uh, it costs so many points, which it gets pretty expensive once you load them out, uh, but because it has such a board presence, it's pretty hard to track just because of that dial. And yeah, your opponent's going to have to focus on that, which means you can you know use your other smaller light fighters and whatnot to lay down some damage while they're distracted. Following the Millennium Falcon, we have kind of its weirder, lesser-known little brother, the YT-2400. Um, this one hasn't seen as much play in second edition since they made some changes to the timing windows for abilities. Yeah, I mean, early on we saw some, I mean, hard to argue, not broken mechanics between the Han Solo gunner uh, being able to shoot twice um, from the same firing arc. They fixed that in the rules, or at least they uh, made some declarations to say it couldn't work. Uh, but this ship still has a lot to offer. It's very expensive. I mean, the baseline pilots are close to 100 points without any upgrades, but it does come with a built-in four-dice uh, bowtie mobile firing arc. Yeah, I mean, that four-attack dice is, I think, one of those defining characteristics of uh, the YT-2400. Why is an impressive piece on the table is, uh, you know, this ship is capable of having, you know, some of the strongest damage output in the game. To finish out the Rebel faction, we have the VCX, otherwise known as the Ghost from the Rebels TV show. Um, this sh this ship's pretty cool. It's got um, a four-die native firing arc, um, but also has the turret upgrade slot. And if that wasn't enough firing arcs for you, if you're docking either the Sheathapede class shuttle or the Phantom shuttle, uh, that'll give it a rear firing arc as well with the primary weapon value of the uh, docked shuttle. So this thing is like the, I mean, in a lot of ways, the truest like battleship battleship where it can just roll around the edge of the board. And basically, if you get near it at all, it's going to throw some attack dice at you. Yeah, especially with that uh, Han gunner or even the Luke gunner to let them rotate you know, at the start of engagement, good luck getting away from this thing. This battleship in particular has a really cool combination that I think we saw maybe earlier on in second edition um, with the Hera pilot and then Saw Gerrera crew, um, which is some combination of taking stress and doing damage to yourself to convert 
some of your results to crits. Um, it's one of the like only battleship builds that intentionally does just mass damage to itself in order to really maximize that offensive output. But I think that's also, I mean, that's I, in a lot of ways ideal for battleships where they want to maximize the offense so that they can actually buy themselves more time. So you'd rather take the damage in the short run to maximize your offense with Saw and just start removing opponent's pieces so that you don't have those extra attacks coming at you later. Because like we said, um, like the one of the main things that affects survivability for battleships is just the amount of time that goes on in the game and the more shots that get taken on them. Because battleships often take damage when they get shot at, so the longer the game goes, the more likely you're going to get damage on those battleships. Right, and the ghost has like 47 health anyway, so it doesn't really matter. Yeah, health is definitely more of just like a resource uh, for these battleships, you know, it's something you're going to spend, you know, to put them in a position where they can deal damage. A good battleship player isn't going to just, you know, make sure their ship never takes any damage. They're going to make sure they spend their ship's hit points effectively, you know, mitigate how much hit points they're giving away on a turn, but making sure, you know, that they spend that to deal the damage to their opponent's lists. Yeah, so I think that build really utilizes that battleship mentality a lot there, John. So the Rebels, good selection here for the Rebels for battleships. A lot of heavy hitters when you're looking at the YT-2400 and the Ghost. And the Millennium Falcon being, you know, the most iconic ship in Star Wars, being able to move around and lay down damage from a mobile firing arc. Um, there's a reason that we keep seeing this one pop back up. Right, so now we've only covered two factions, but we've covered, you know, most of the battleships in the game. <laughs> More um, than half. When we move on to Empire, um, they really just have the Decimator, although it's a pretty great battleship in itself. Compared to the Rebel options, the Decimator is a little bit more lumbering of a battleship. No turnaround maneuvers. It's not going to have access to the boost like the Falcon or the Fire Spray does. Uh, but this thing also has a heck of a lot of hit points, just like the Ghost, and some really good abilities and upgrades you can throw on there to help increase its firepower and staying power. Yeah, and I think when we talk about the Death Rainer, this is a good point to bring up, you know, how important the reinforce action is to these battleships. You know, it's a great way to really measure, you know, exactly how much damage you're going to take on this turn um, and mitigate that uh, quite effectively. And of course, we have the new Decimator pilot from the pilot's pack, Morna Key, who can really capitalize on that reinforceability. Yeah, Morniki made me realize that um, there's no limit to the number of reinforced tokens you can have. So if you're able to hold on one and then reinforce the following turn and get double reinforced, that seems pretty good. The Decimator's been a pretty popular battleship, too, for the Empire. I know, like, around World Season last year, we saw, you know, quite a few, you know, double Decimators, Decimator with some friends. Um, it's a it's a pretty pretty good example of a battleship that I think a lot of people... Um, at least in the Empire faction, um, are fans of and use quite frequently. It's interesting, too, because in a lot of ways it breaks the Empire's faction identity because there's nothing so much that the Decimator does that the Empire really does in the rest of its ships, uh, which is interesting because we know the Empire is kind of the king of light fighters. When it comes down to heavy fighters, um, they have basically the worst heavy fighter chassis in the game in the TIE Advanced. But when it comes to battleships, which seems to kind of fly in the face of what the Empire's faction identity is, they have a pretty good battleship, so I can see why it's so popular. It fills in a role normally the Empire doesn't have. Right, it's kind of a Swiss Army knife of battleships. You know, it's got a ton of hit points, 
It's got that pretty powerful bow tie firing arc, you know, a bunch of crew slots, got a gunner slot, um, a bomb, a bomb slot that I always forget about. Uh, yep. That'll yeah. get you. Yeah. So overall, just a really solid choice for the empire. Um, moving on to resistance. They have a few options here. Of course, another Falcon. Um, you know, we've already talked about the Falcon. Um, but this one, you know, does focus a bit more on that forward firing arc, uh, which is an interesting twist. I think it's worth mentioning, and this might be a hot take, but I think the Resistance Falcon is actually the worst of the three. Well, that that might be kind of a hot take. Um, All right, come at me, John. Yeah, like, explain a little bit. So I think in general... Um, like, just if you look at the pilots, you know, across the three faction options, this one doesn't have the best options available. I mean, it's got Ray, and she's a force user. Um, but I don't think, like, I don't think her ability is great. I never really have. That's just kind of a personal take. But I think also this Falcon kind of suffers from um, a lack of diverse options for its crew and gunners. I mean, it's got Finn. Finn's pretty good, and Leia now is pretty good. Um, but I just, I don't think there's enough in the resistance faction to really give this Falcon the edge over the scum and rebel Falcons. Well, the resistance Falcon is more similar to the rebel Falcon than it is to the scum Falcon for sure. You do have the fewer hit points, which I think is a big cost that the Falcon pays because it's reasonably comparable in costing to the rebel one. Um, you know, bringing up Ray, I actually think Ray is a pretty good pilot in the Falcon, but I wonder if she's more comparable to Vader in the Tide Advanced, where the Tide Advanced is not a very good heavy fighter, but when you have Vader in the pilot seat, suddenly it becomes a really good ship. And that might be true for the Falcon too here for the Resistance, where the ship as a whole might not be very good, but when you put Ray, she makes up for a lot of the deficiencies that the ship has. Yeah, this one's in an interesting spot because, um, you know, it, it has the fewer hit points, but you don't really feel those fewer hit points as much on the scum one. Um, I think cause that's more costed of, you know, with that lower survivability in mind, um, you're kind of paying a bit more for the resistance Falcon and still having that reduced survivability. Um, I do think, you know, particularly when we're looking at Ray that this one has perhaps the highest damage output. Um, but that's measured over fewer turns because, Ray doesn't survive every game. Um, that's a battleship that will go down. And I feel like that comes at a greater cost too, because you have to put a few more points into making this Falcon, I'd say as competitive as the rebel version. Um, and I mean like the scum version, it's so cheap and you know, there's crew that you can put on there that don't really put it over even even close to like a hundred point threshold. And you can put a lot else in the list you know, if you're putting a lot of points into making the Resistance Falcon good, I think you're suffering a little bit because you're not going to get as many side options. Um, you'll, you'll see that with a lot of battleship builds, but I think you'll see it maybe the most with this specific one. Yeah, so I mentioned earlier the other battleship option for the Resistance is that Star Fortress. This one's a bit of a unique battleship because it does rely a bit more on ordnance. Um, I think its primary role is still a battleship as opposed to an ordnance carrier. Um, but, you know, that ability to launch those bombs forward, um, reload those bombs, uh, is a great way to boost its damage output. Uh, of course, this one has um, 
quite a great spread of firing arcs. It's got a great forward firing arc plus a bow tie firing arc, allowing you to cover a wide area of the battlefield, which is um, kind of needed for the Star Fortress because it's got pretty bad mobility. Um, so this thing is basically just a tank that you plop in the center of the battlefield and let it do its damage. Yeah, this is definitely a battleship where, I mean, almost more than any of the other ones on this list, I would expect it to die by the end of the game. Um, just because it moves so slow, it's often getting caught in multiple firing arcs, but the reason it's there is so it can drop bombs and lay down damage uh, in a way that other battleships can't. And the fact that, uh, you know, having, you know, a forward firing arc and side firing arcs all at once means it seldom misses an opportunity to fire. So every combat phase, I usually expect a Star Fortress to be shooting something. And throwing some bombs. The perfect combination. <laughs> Two ways to do damage in a single turn is pretty good. Well, you get that veteran turret gunner in there, you can do it three times. Looking at the other sequel faction, we have the First Order um, with the ever-abusive Upsilon shuttle. Yep. Four attack dice, you know, just a forward firing arc, but that's all you need when you have four attack dice. Yeah, and this was when we talked about it in our utility ship episode because there's kind of a debate because this one seems in a lot of ways very similar to the Lambda over on the Empire side. Um, but the four attack dice really push it into the category of battleship because I think the damage output from this thing is so valuable, it kind of ignores the fact that it can jam and coordinate uh, as white actions that, you know, the four attack dice on any ship is really going to draw your attention. Yeah, when I think about the Epsilon, I kind of think about its utility elements as the things it does, you know, when it doesn't catch opposing ships in that firing arc. Because it is, you know, a large base ship that's, you know, doesn't have the best maneuver options and it's, you know, just committed to that one forward firing arc, it's not going to shoot every turn. Um, so it needs something to do on the turns it can't shoot. Uh, but the turns that it does catch ships in that front arc, you know, especially at range one, rolling five dice, uh, those are very powerful attacks um, and are very impactful to the game state. And Carson, since you're kind of our uh, resident Republic expert, I thought you could just kind of summarize the Republic's battleship options for us. Yeah, uh, those options are still on the boat, um, so to say. <laughs> They're in pre-production, presumably, let's hope. <laughs> who, who knows uh, when they'll arrive. But they're certainly not here yet. Well, so nothing for the Republic, so that brings us down to our last faction, the Separatists. Yeah, Separatists have a great option here, the Sith Infiltrator. Um, a really cool ship, um, definitely relies on, you know, having the Force. Um, a lot of its pilot options there have a lot of Force, which gives it, you know, great um, action efficiency just off the start, right? Yeah, this ship has the capacity actually to have the most Force charges of any ship in the game. If you take Darth Maul pilot with Dooku and Palp crew. Yeah, and you know, while this is also just a forward firing arc ship, um the ship has, you know, pretty good maneuverability, uh, particularly with um you know, the power to cloak, which is a really powerful option for a battleship, you know, giving it that surprise mobility um plus that extra defense is really substantial there. And uh, now we haven't done our episode on elite fighters yet as a ship type. That's going to come up here. But this uh, is the only ship on the list here that I think seems kind of close to an elite fighter. 
what are the main reasons we're putting it in the battleship category rather than just having it as an elite fighter? Um, I think it only really feels like an elite fighter on some of the turns when it's using the cloaking device. Um, I think throughout the course of the game, it, though, it'll generally feel a lot more like a battleship. Yeah, I think mostly because a lot of the pilot options do have that force, you know, recurring charge that gives it a slightly better edge on both offense and defense compared to some of the other battleships. Um, and this might be kind of a weak criteria, but I had mentioned earlier that I feel like when you see elite fighters, generally you'll see, you know, maybe one, but sometimes even two of them. Um, the only time we've seen multiple Sith infiltrators, um, you know, it was kind of early when the faction came out. And even then that was still definitely a double battleship list kind of based on some of our other criteria. Um, so I think, I think it just fits better in this category than it does in the elite fighter category. I think I think this one though is well. I agree that it's a battleship. I think it definitely is closer to the line, uh, kind of blurring the line between that and some other categories. Same thing with the Upsilon shuttle, where it feels pretty close to a utility, but uh, there's just enough that's different that pushes it into the battleship category. All right, so that brings us to the end of our essential ship types battleship discussion. Um, these ships kind of offer an interesting and unique board presence. They're really commanding when they're out there. And since they have, in a lot of ways, the function of multiple smaller ships, uh, they tend to have a little bit higher survivability. And you actually expect a lot more out of them. They need to pay off in a way that you don't expect a normal lighter heavy fighter to pay off. Yeah, I mean, these are ships I definitely recommend uh, newer players try out. Just because, you know, they are a bit more forgiving, you know they're gonna last a few turns you can put them in a bad spot and they can weather the storm they're definitely not just for new players um you know you see battleships in winning lists all the time incredibly popular choice um kind of because they're just a lot of fun to fly they're just a big bruiser you can throw into the scrum of things Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Radio TCX. If you like the show, please go on to facebook.com slash Radio TCX and like our Facebook page. Consider going on to iTunes and leaving the podcast a five-star review, saying what you liked and why you think other people should listen. And if you want to support the show directly, please consider going on to patreon.com slash Radio TCX and becoming a supporter of the show today. It really means so much to us. Again, folks, thank you so much for listening. Hopefully you enjoyed this discussion on essential ship types, and we will talk to you next week. should just sometime do an intro like saturday night live like it's radio tcx with your host horatio sends all right uh. content <laughs> <laughs> that's going in the end <laughs> no